0: Welcome to TTP Turnbuckle Talk podcast. You're listening to Kiman Cooper and John Dugan. This podcast is sponsored by Dirty Blondes. Dirty Blondes is a bar located in the heart of Blackpool, famous for their banging tunes, cocktails and 18-inch pizzas. The only place to get a pizza as big as your table across the Foul Coast. If you're ever in Blackpool, check them out. They're on Facebook and on Instagram. That's Dirty Blondes. Blackpool. Let's talk wrestling. Hello, welcome to TTP Temple Talk Podcast. I'm joined by half man, half iron brew. It is the Scottish stud John Dugan, and
1: oh.
0: our special guest today is none other than WAW
2: Zach. How you doing, guys? How you
1: doing? Hello. Pleasure to meet you.
2: Pleasure to meet you both. Happy to be here. Um, I've never been called that, just Zach. That might be a new new ring name, guys, to go with my fifteen others. Well,
0: as in you have so many names. Um <laughs> I thought if we go with Zach, just keep it nice and simple.
2: Uh, you've done the right choice there. Um <laughs> I've had so many names as you say. We could we could be here for the next hour just rattling off the names and what the gimmicks were.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: What's been your favorite one? Um, to be honest, I've got two. Um Obviously, Zach Knight is the hooligan, tagging with brother Roy, um, and Zach Zodiac is a name that I built on my own merit. You know, I didn't have the Knight family name. Um, you know, so Zach Zodiac was an independent wrestler um, that I managed to, you know, get all the way to the top. Really. So, both of them are really close to my heart. Um, uh, but to be honest, they're both exactly the same person. You know, so you just get on with it. Put the put the tights on and let's get to the ring. <laughs> yeah,
1: definitely. Um, so, go on, Kevin,
0: sorry. Yeah. so there's a few things I want to kind of um, talk to you about, but do you want to just give us a quick, um, you know, uh, introduction into your kind of wrestling career and, you know, how you've, how you've got from the beginning to where you are now?
2: Okay. So, hello, everyone. My name is Zach Knight, also known as Zach Zodiac. Um, I've officially entered my 20 year as a professional wrestler. Uh, I started at the tender age of 10, which is where I made my debut match for a company called Rumble Promotions, as Dink the Clown. Uh, A fella didn't turn up that particular night for an eight-man tag. And the promoter asked my dad, do you reckon your kid would go in? And uh, before my dad could even move, I was already saying, look, I've got my gear, get me in. Um, From then, uh, obviously, you know, I had quite a successful singles career, um, working with the likes of TNA, Ring of Honor, um, and obviously becoming co-owner of the World Association of Wrestling. Uh, In 2010, I became a tag team specialist with my brother, following on from our dad and uncle, the Superflies, Ricky and Jimmy Ocean. And, um, yeah, currently 20 years, and I feel every single year of my body at the moment, guys. <laughs> uh, it's
1: a tough old business, isn't it, wrestling?
2: Wrestling is a tough business. You know, people don't give it enough credit. You know, yes, it's predetermined. You know, let's get out of the way. Um, but the word that I hate is fake. You know, I've broke pretty much every bone in mm. my body. Um, you know, I've had two near ending injuries. Uh, one only two years ago when I broke the bone in the bottom of my back, and they told me I'll never wrestle again. Um, but listen, when someone tells me I can't do something, I go and do it. You know, I, there's no such word as can't in my vocabulary. Um, you know, and yeah, I'm still wrestling today.
0: And the thing is, with like with your family, obviously, anyone that's into wrestling knows your family and you know what they stand for, but the wrestling kind of industry kind of vanished for a lot of years in the UK and it's thanks to kind of your family and you who'd kind of, you know, put the the work in day out, you know, day in and day out that it's finally making a comeback. This, you know, wrestling has sort of become kind of cool again.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, wrestling, you know, it's cool right now um, but you rewind 10, 15 years ago and this this industry was seriously hanging on by a thread. You know, um, we're going out wrestling in front of anything from three people to 40 people. And 40 people would be a good crowd, believe it or not. Um, You know, there wasn't many people left. Brian Dixon, WAW, uh, and I think Scott Conway just before he moved to Thailand. Um, You know, and even All-Star packed in for a little while because the business was so bad. Um, But, you know, with us, obviously, nowadays, we're used to wrestling on shows with no fans. Uh, You know, our show Hard Times was one of the best shows that WWE's ever produced. And I wasn't a single person in sight, you know, but um, during them times, it was difficult. And if you didn't have the love for the business, you know, then I truly believe that you shouldn't be in it. You know, it even speaks now. It's all right when you're wrestling in front of, you know, from 200 to 5,000 people. um, You know, you've got the adrenaline. You're there. You know, of course, you love it because you've got all them fans watching you. To really become a wrestler and to find your identity in this business is when you can dig deep and wrestle in front of no one, you know, and still produce the same matches you are in front of thousands of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're from Blackpool, which obviously is a wrestling town, and it has been for years, but then we've noticed, like I said, you know, about 10 years where there was nothing going on. And now slowly but surely these wrestling shows coming back to the Blackpool Tower and to the Pleasure Beach. So, you know, it's good to see.
2: Yeah, I mean, Blackpool's always been a great, great place for professional wrestling. Uh, I've wrestled there a few times myself for a company called PCW. Um, and I absolutely love Blackpool. You know, the, the crowd is still into it. And uh, as you say, it's kind of become a trademark stamp again now with uh, NXT UK going there mm. and doing their first show. And, uh, you know, keep going back there. It's obviously a place that... You know, they get good crowds and the, the crowds are lively because, uh, as a promoter, they're, they're what you're looking for, really. You're looking for lively venues to, uh, you know, give you the adrenaline rush. And uh, obviously, you want to get paying customers through the doors. So, you know, Blackpool's mm. always been a very good place for professional wrestling.
1: Yeah. Could you, could you ever take WAW to Blackpool or is it quite territorial like it used to be? Was it quite open?
2: See, it's funny you mentioned that. Obviously, wrestling was always based on territories. You know, let's go back to Memphis wrestling. And then you had, like, Texas with the Texas Tornado and uh, the Von Erics. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's something that's installed into the Knight family. Uh, you know, we'll run the East Anglia area because my dad paid for that uh, 28 years ago. You know, so we class that as our territory. Now, we have got companies that run around here, uh, but most of them, you know, they've, they've taken the correct precautions and, and come to us and said, look, we want to open up. We're in Ipswich or, you know, we're in Kingsland, whatever. Um, and, and we'll give them our blessings, you know, and anyone that sort of don't, they don't last too long because other companies had to go that route. So we are very territorial uh, and we believe, you know, that is still a good thing to protect an area. Uh, and with the likes of PCW doing Blackpool and doing very, very good job, I don't want to come and tread on their toes. You know, I'm more than happy to do a combined show together where we're both running it. Um, But generally speaking, WWE don't try and tread on toes. However, we are looking to tour again very soon. Obviously, once the pandemic's gone, you know, we didn't realize just how many fans we had around the UK, around Europe and around the world. Um, So, you know, WWE are looking to travel a little bit more around the UK to areas that may not have seen wrestling for a while and actually to spread across to Europe as well. Nice, that's good.
0: Now, right, so you mentioned no, you, know, you you're WAW, um, and you've got fans from all over the world. Um, you can act- there's actually
2: you can actually subscribe to WAW, can't you? Yeah, we've got an on demand platform. Um, it took us a while to get it. Uh, we've been planning this for about five years, um, you know. But it, it takes a lot of hard work to get a platform that's going to work um you know we we tried all different platforms and none of them were just working for us um we're currently now on vimeo which uh, is a good platform for us mm-hmm. uh we can get a lot of content on there it seems to be working well um we launched that i believe at the beginning of the year to be honest with you every day is rolling into one for me i don't know what it is for you guys at the moment but uh this the you know 2020 sort of just flew by um mm-hmm. so yeah they can they can uh Go on to our on demand it's ww on demand if they go on to vimeo they can go on there that's just six pound a month and there's a hundred shows on there about 350 hours of content including shoe interviews from all the family which uh, i highly recommend all of them especially roy's
1: um i've subscribed to it and i've watched a few things on it this it it's quite um I'm amazed by how not disrespectfully but how good it actually is okay like i you. watched your uh your latest one at christmas yep and the the production and that just is like it's like something you would see on tv thank you do you, I, is- do you ever think do you, do you ever get offers from tv to sort of run your shows and it'd be shown on tv
2: we have we've got many uh, tv companies interested uh, around the world but not in the uk which is what we want you know we've come mm. close many a times uh, we've actually paid some channels just to get our production on there so people can see what you've seen, John. Um, and that is, we have got a very good production. You know, our editing team is the finest. They've been with us 10 years, yeah. um, you know, and they've learned their craft over the years. And uh, with us, you know, get coming extremely close to ITV um, in about 2016, I think it was when of Sport went on. I may I may be wrong, could be 2017, but we were so close, you know, and because of politics, we were left behind. But uh, had WW been the ones to put the world of sport back on telly with our production, without the game show, you know, very TV feel to it, mm. I believe we'd still be on there now. Um, but it's what ifs and buts at the moment. One day a TV company is going to recognize what, you know, the fans across the world recognize, that WW is a great company, we're a family company, and our production values are very hard to beat. I was amazed
1: that um, your first show was on there, so from '94. Correct. Have you recorded every show and obviously kept on video or DVD?
2: Yeah, so basically at the minute we are transferring uh, tapes, VHSs over to uh, digital and we're having to bring the resolution up because obviously everything evolves and that included the footage that we've got. But we've actually got 28 years of footage. you know, so uh, really? by the time we're finished, by the end of this year, we're hoping to have, you know, about 500 shows on there, backdated to 94 all the way to, you know, the, our last show in 2020. Um, and you'll see in 2001 when we had people like Jake the Snake Roberts or 1999 when we had Earthquake, you know, you're going to see these shows. But at the minute, we're just trying to transfer them into a higher spec because we don't want to put them on there and say, look, you know, this is from 99, you're just going to have to pop up and shut up. If it's not good enough, it's not going on there. Yeah. For
0: for £6 as well, like, for anyone who's a wrestling fan, I think that is, like, amazing deal. Definitely, You should definitely subscribe.
2: Well, the thing is, guys, obviously, this is breaking news here. Not many people know this, but uh, as soon as we can get back to work, um, we've done that uh, a Christmas to Remember as kind of a pilot of what we're trying to achieve here. Uh, We've obviously now moved into our new performance centre, which went viral worldwide they couldn't believe that you know little norwich city had a performance <laughs> center of that magnitude um and the reason for that is we want to try and do a lot more shows at home you know we want to try and stay here and build our own brand um you know a little bit like nwa do or impact do or even to the point now wwe they've got the dome and everything's under one roof yeah. um and that's what WWAW is trying to achieve so the fourth weekend of every month is going to be known as our pay-per-view weekend. Um, so, you know, you'll now get 12 pay-per-views when we do get a full calendar year, 12 pay-per-views a year being uploaded onto our on-demand service as well. So, you know, for that £6, you're getting a pay-per-view every month for that as well.
0: No, that's amazing. That's really good.
2: So, oh, yeah, man. yeah, we're excited. We're excited. Once, once the good. pandemic slows down or pisses off i'm sorry about my language (laughs) WAW really are gonna you know break through that glass ceiling uh you know What? what we've got planned in the pipelines is incredible and uh i truly believe that you know we will become number one in europe people put us there uh but until you're kind of there uh you don't take nothing for granted but i do believe that if the vaccines work and we can get back to work sort of halfway through the year june time I believe the end of this year, people are really going to know about WAW and more people like you, John, can say, I've subscribed and then production values are second to none and, uh, you know, we want WAW on TV. That's the goal for us over the next sort of 24 to 36 months.
1: I think you're, you're definitely well within your um, abilities to do that because, like I said, I was pleasantly surprised is probably the term I should use. Um, that's good because, though. That's what we like
2: yeah. we love surprising people you know yeah. uh, people have got their perceptions of us and they, they listen to Chinese whispers and it's not until they get to meet us face to face or actually you know I'll tell you what I will step back I will watch this as a wrestling fan not a dictator or someone that's going to criticise it we've all got our problems you know I, we could pull apart any show that we watch but if you watch it as a fan someone that's looking at the productions looking at you know how good our workers are and the style we have. I believe WAW is a style of its own. It's very much like the Von Eriks. You know, we've got our own style, our own brand, and uh, you either love us or hate us. People call the Knight family Marmite because you love us or hate <laughs> us.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I definitely love yours. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the wrestling on it is really good. And it's. I think British wrestling is just totally different from what people are used to because it can be quite. It's hard to describe. It's kind of like, it's quite hard-hitting and um, you, you get what's going on straight away. You don't have to be explained to what's happening, why the wrestling, you can understand the characters right away. And I feel look like the, the Christmas show that I watched, I got that straight away, I knew what was going on, even though it was like probably the first sort of, the first impression of what I'd seen from what you've done. I think it's really good.
2: Yeah, no, thank you, and I appreciate that, you know, we love any feedback, and we welcome it all, you know, even the bad, you know, we don't sit there and think we know it all, if I, if I get any bad criticism, I look at that and go, you know what, maybe they're right, maybe we can tweak this, maybe we can do that, um, you know, but I believe that British wrestling is a style of its own, and I believe that yeah. over the years, we've had to evolve more to the uh, American style, but we can't lose our tradition. You know, British wrestling is known for its tradition of rounds and that sport and entertainment, uh, that gentleman's sport. Um, you know, being able to wind uh, the crowd up. And that's what WWE is. You know, we are not, we don't ever play to the cameras. We don't ever play to the viewers at home. We always play to our live audience. You know, that they've paid that money. We want them to be enjoying it. We want it to be uh, a very basic understanding story because every time we put on a show you're guaranteed that 20% of what's coming in is a new audience um, mm. you know and you want to try and capture their imaginations and make them fall in love with your product um, so you know if we do that on a regular basis and we can get 10% out of the 20 50% in total the numbers keep rising and, and that's what we're trying to do once covid's out of the way we can have 400 people inside that building um, you know and in june we've just announced that we're going to do a fight mayor again not in Norwich City Football Stadium, unfortunately, but in our own PC, spread over the weekend, four individual shows, and nearly 2,000 people can walk through there. Nice.
0: And the thing as well, your fans are so loyal to you. Um, watching the BBC um, series, the documentary, Step Into the Ring, the fans on there, like I think you say it yourself, you know, people jump in the ring to try and save the good guys. You know what I mean? They're
2: invested so much in your promotion yeah, the thing is, guys, right? We don't, we don't, you know, try and pull the wool over our fans' eyes. They know that this is a story, you know, and we educate them to say, look, treat this like EastEnders, treat this like a soap opera, treat it like a movie. You've got your good guys, you've got your bad guys, you've got the story in between, and you've either got your happy ending or you've got an ending that you're not too happy about. But either way, enjoy it for the production. You know, if you go yeah. to the theater or the cinema or whatever, you watch it and you either love it or hate it. You know, it just depends if it's your genre. If I go to the cinema and I've picked a, a movie that I want to watch, I'm not going to sit there and go, oh, hang on, he didn't even touch him there, you know? and He definitely weren't driving that car that just exploded. You know, I don't look at it like that. I go, wow, did you see the explosion? Did you see this? Did you see that? That's how we educate our fans, you know? And I think the reason they buy into it is because we are one big family. The wrestlers, the staff... You know, the raffle ladies, the the fans, every person that enters that building is one of us because without that one person, there wouldn't be no show. You need fans to have a show. You need referees for a good match. You need an MC to put you over. You need commentators to put you over. You need the guys selling the tickets at the front door so that the fans can come in. I need my health and safety officer to get this show running. So all of us are a team. We're a team. And that's something we install immediately, As soon as people join WAW we're a family and if you try and pull in the wrong direction or you believe you're above the company you're gone and it's
0: it's that key word family like from what that BBC documentary the series you are like a father figure and I have so much respect for what for what you are doing to these these young kids like for anyone who likes wrestling or doesn't like wrestling this program is amazing it's so inspiring you have these kids. There's this um, Marcus who said he got told he could
2: never be a wrestler. Yeah. And I believe now he's a champion. He's the uh, wildlife heavyweight champion. He won it at the Christmas show that John saw.
0: Yeah. And it's just the way you kind of teach him not only wrestling, but just life skills, and you're there for him. There's um, a small scene, very small, where you sat on the steps, eating pizza, handing out flies. I you know the, the old British kind of, yeah. getting, of getting out there. And he's talking and you have a bit of banter. And it's just, you can tell, it's just one family. And I just love it. I just love the series. I need, there needs to be more um, episodes. Yeah. Another. I love it. I think it's just such a good story and portrayal of you and wrestling and just, you know,
2: humankind. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And that's what we're going for, you know. Uh, a lot like the movie, we didn't want people to feel that this was wrestling orientated. You know, we didn't want them to go, I ain't watching access wrestling. You know, because not everyone's a wrestling fan. But, you know, if you can watch that and see past the wrestling, that's just the glue that holds us all together. You know, that's all of our common interest. Reality here is, you know, to inspire people, to prove to people that nothing can hold you back. If you've got a dream and you work hard, it's achievable. And that's anything. You know, right now I'm reading Tyson Fury's book, A man, that man is inspirational. You know, I sit there and I read his book. Not everyone's going to agree... But, you know, just some of his philosophies and the way that he looks at life, we think the same way, you know? And um, people like Marcus, as you say, I work on Marcus every Tuesday. Um, I met Marcus seven years ago. I've been working with him the last six. When I met Marcus, he couldn't, uh, you know, buy anything in the shop because he didn't know how to count money or know what change he's getting. He didn't know how to withdraw money from a bank. He didn't know the time. He couldn't do anything himself. But right now he goes to the gym not right now because of the pandemic, but when the gyms are open, he gets on a bus, he goes himself, he uses his own card to get in, he buys his own lunch afterwards and knows how to use his card or can't the correct money or whatever. Um, you know, and he's now becoming an independent. He's a man. You know, the one thing they didn't show is Marcus is currently doing his driving lessons. Is he? So, wow. you know, and he's incredible. He's an incredible driver. I feel safe yeah. with him, you know. Um, but all of them oh. are inspirational. Look at Swick Sam. You know, the problem yes. is people will judge a book by a cover. They'll look at someone and go, well, what are they going to do? You know, as men sat here, you know, if you've ever been in a fight, uh, which my last one was in school, <laughs> I remember looking at someone going, yeah, I could beat him up. Just by looking at him. You know, so I'm judging a book by its cover. You know, for all I know, the smallest person in that class could whip my ass. You know, but people look too quick to judge in this world. And that's what it was about. Sam, Pocket, Imogen, Marcus, James, who's blind. All five of them showed the world. It doesn't matter what your disability is or what issues you have in life. If you work hard enough, you can achieve anything.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen the series, it's still on BBC player, BBC Free. And it's just, it's a fantastic watch. Like I said, with James, who's, who's blind, you managed to get him on the top ropes, which is, what, nine, nine, nine feet? About that, yeah, yep. And he uh, jumps off and does uh, a fox splash.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, let's go from the start with James. You know, when I got a phone call and, well, my dad took the original phone call um, and then the doctor phoned back and said, look, I've got, I've got this blind lad who wants to wrestle. Have you ever trained anyone like that? No, I haven't trained anyone like that. So are you saying you can't? no no i don't believe in that word so invite him down let's have a look let's see what we can do uh and when he walked in with the cane and the glasses and everything i'm going shit this is legit this guy's blind and he wants to wrestle like how am i gonna do this first things first let's get him in the ring you know and um there's methods in wrestling and and as a trainer that you develop you know social skills different ways of training people Every person needs to be trained differently. Some need an arm random. Some needs a sergeant major drilling. Um, Some need just a little bit more guidance. Some need to be broken down. You get what I'm trying to say here. With James, everything was steps and noise. So I knew that three steps in a British ring, 14 foot, he'd be across the other side. So it's teaching him one, two, three, turn. One, two, three, turn. When he was hitting the ropes or hitting the corner pads. Got it. Okay. Now let's try some wrestling. Locking up. So I'd stamp my foot as I was about to lock up. And he'd know that's the signal that my arms are out. So then we'd trade off. And, you know, he don't need me to stamp or anything for um, the ins and outs because you feed off the crowd. The crowd tell you when to reverse the move. You know, you can just, you feel the energy in the ring. Um, but silly stuff like double ducks, sending him into a rope. So send him into a rope. he go and one, two, three, turn. Duck. Duck and then it'll be a slide the foot for the baseball slide, you know? And then it'll be a double stomp to show him where I'm in the ring for the dive across. It was just finding a way for James. And that lad even plays guitar. And the way he done that was by putting blue tack at the back of the neck of the guitar. So we know which chord was where this guy is the master of renovating ways that he can do things.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Th- Talking about stepping to the ring, you as a character just amaze me because you're such a good guy in your local community. Do you not feel that the kind of help you do in your local community could be brought into schools and community centres across the country and teach kids wrestling to keep them on the straight and narrow?
2: It's funny you say that. Um, I've actually got an award along with my mum and dad We went to uh, Lincolnshire Cinsel Sports College. uh, And basically this was a a school college that was all under lock and key. You know, if they went to the toilet, they'd have to unlock the door to take them to the toilet. These were naughty boys and girls um, that during school hours would be sort of locked away. Um, So we took it to them. And there was one lad in particular named Jack and he was 15 and uh, his father passed away. He was already drinking and on drugs and, uh, this boy had an attitude. He, you know, he had no thought to squaring up to me and I'm six foot three. And back then I was a big lad, 18, 19 stone. And he had no problem facing up to me. So my method for him was, okay, while all your buddies are in the ring, jumping on a crash mat and having fun, you're going to sit and watch. And that's exactly what I made him do for 10 minutes at the start of the lesson. And um, afterwards he's like, excuse me, sir, sir. And the teachers were all looking like, hang on a minute. He's never called anyone, sir. He's never raised his hand. He's never said, excuse me. So I went over there and I said, are you ready to join in now, mate? Yes, I am. I said, is there something you need to say to me? I'm sorry, sir. Okay, let's go. Let's have some fun. And then that lad actually comes to me two years later for work experience. And he stayed with us for a week and learnt about the business for work experience. So do I agree? Yes, I believe that we could definitely help schools. A lot of schools since the BBC have got in contact with me and asked me if I would do assemblies and basically be like a motivational speaker. Someone that can, you know, sort of give these guys a, a lift, not just for wrestling, but just life itself. Um, you know yourselves, lads. At uh, fifteen when a teacher saying, Well, you've got to decide what you wanna be right now. You can't fucking decide then. I'm sorry, I swore again. Sorry, you can't again. decide then. <laughs> you know, it, it takes know time. Saying, you've yeah. got to find yourself first. Mm. But yes, uh, you know, I would I would love that. Um, you know, and I I was voted for the Unsung Hero Award in the BBC Sports Personality this year. And uh, I basically, I was a runner-up, not a runner-up, I was uh, shortlisted, which means I would have been in the top 10. Um, Unfortunately, that award didn't come, but the fact that I was there and I (laughs) blew up my social medias, of course I did, (laughs) Uh, more people are seeing that. And that's all I'm yeah. trying to do right now, guys, is build a brand that I can take around the world and help help people. You know, there needs to be more people that want to give back to others instead of thinking about themselves. I agree. I think
1: um, with the documentaries you've been in, obviously there's Stepping to the Ring and then Fighting With My Family the f- kind of first one where I've seen you in. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's usually with them sort of documentaries, it's... It's never. uh, What's the word? Like it's never. um, It never always shows the people in a good light. But I think with that one, it it showed you in a tremendous light and all the good that you did for the community. Were you worried about doing that in case it went the other way? Did you approach? Did you approach them, or did they approach you?
2: No. So the BBC. uh, There's a gentleman in Norwich that works for BBC Radio Norfolk named Rob Butler. Um, he actually works with Norwich city as well. Uh, anyway, Rob is a wrestling buff. Um, and my brother's known Rob for a long time and he introduced me and we got Rob into refereeing for the company. Um, after the movie had dropped, Rob come up to me and said, look, I'm going to go to BBC and I'm going to pitch this idea about following you and showing people what you do. Um, and I was a bit like, nah, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want it. And he's like, no, seriously, dude. People need to see what you do. You know, we need to get the word out there. And I said, no, I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. You know. Um, anyway, cut long story short, he done it, and the producer loved it, and they called me into the BBC forum. We had a chat, and we went for it. But getting back to your point, in the back of my head, I'm always worried. You know, um, I am. I've had my battles with depression. You know, I'm di- diagnosed bipolar. Uh, and my anxiety is through the roof quite a lot. So much so that social media posts, I'll start writing and then I'll delete them. I'll delete it because I'm worried about what people think all the time, you know. And I believe that's because, as a from a young kid, I have always had a camera in my face. I've always been under the microscope, you know. Um, we've had 19 documentaries. Uh, we've had a movie. We've been on God knows how many chat shows, you know. So my whole life is been out there for people to see and I'm used to them being judgmental and getting trolls so the BBC I was very worried I was very worried that people were going to look and go on, oh, are they only doing this to try and portray this guy in a nice light you know but the best part was uh, Haneen who was the guy that was doing all the recording and edited all together when he came in he just said trust me bro trust me just let me do my film and act as natural as you possibly can which is second nature to me in front of a camera now And he said, I'll just follow you. And what we'll get, we'll get. He said, and, uh, you know, I'll let you look at it before it go out. And if there's anything you don't want, we'll get rid of. When he sent it to me and I watched all four episodes, I just sat there and cried and went, it's a go. And I couldn't believe it. You know, the movie and the BBC series, both of them were like an out-of-body experience. It's kind of like you're watching yourself through your eyes, but it's like someone else's eyes. Does that make sense to you guys?
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: So it's like I've stepped out of my life and I'm now watching what I do. And I think sometimes even I forget what I do and how it helps people. You know, I'm just, I just think, Oh, it's just me. It's my job. It's what I do. I'm fortunate to have an amazing job, but the movie and the series really did and has, and forever will keep me at that level pegging of, you know, getting over that mental health, um, keep helping people, um, You know, and just really, I found myself just off the back of them two things.
1: With the movie, um, first off, the movie's amazing. Again, Mm. it it shows how good your family is and all the aspects of that. Um, Well, how much input did you have in that? Did the the guy playing you come and meet you? Did he try and get the gist of what you're about?
2: To be honest they were great uh let's let's go for the beginning uh you all know about the rock and how he watched it right that's been yeah. said on tv a lot of times yeah anyway Stephen merchant was the one that contacted my family after that saying look i want to come down i want to meet you all you know we've seen the documentary but i want to know you so we come and as we always do we order the chinese which is in the movie we sat down, and my dad, uh, Stephen much said to my dad, right, tell me something about you. Right, my name's Ricky you Knight, know, and i have done eight years in prison before I was 25. And Stephen looked at him and went, for what? He went, mainly violence.
1: <laughs>
2: and straight away, Stephen wrote that, and, and everything that we said, he had the notepad, and he's going, yeah, right, Oh, really? what? oh my God, right, I'm writing that. And you can see his eyes lighting up, you know, and... Um, Anyway, fast forward two years and we're on set the first day we come down, we bought our wrestling ring to train, uh, Florence and Jack Loudon for us to meet them. Um, first time I met Jack, I looked at him and went, this guy's playing me, you know, uh, at that time, lads, I don't know if when you would have seen the movie, I had a little cameo in it. I was 21 stone and I was in the peak of my depression. I was bad. Um, So I met Jack, and I was like, look, this guy is six foot and 13 stone. I'm six foot three and 21 stone. Like, there's a cock up here. Um, But guys, they couldn't have picked anyone better. And as soon as I see Jack on screen for the first time, I was blown away. That lad studied me. He texted me in a voice note. How would you say this? So I did. How would you act in this scenario? I'd tell him. You know, and his method acting was fantastic. He was just... He was superb. So was Florence, Nick, Lena. All of them invested into the character. All of them wanted to speak to us and and asked us about, you know, different ways that, you know, we'd handle that situation or say in this situation. Um, But cut a long story short, we had a lot of involvement in the movie. You know, um, there was parts of the movies um, that my mum and dad said, look, I want Roy involved more, you know? So boom, done. One of the parts we said, look... We want Norwich to be shown in this movie. We're proud of where we're from. You know, we want to put Norwich on the map. um, So that they filmed a lot in Norwich. You know, they were they were very accommodating. And my family can be hard sometimes, especially when you've got a lot of us and we're all going. No, you will do this. That's where the reputation comes from because all of us are just. We're so together that if we feel that one of us has got a point, we're backing it up.
1: With your um, cameo, winner. I watched it again because I knew I was going to be talking to you. I watched it a dozen times, but for the first time I noticed your cameo (laughs) near the end of the film, Um, how did that come about? Did did you ask for it or did they say, look, we've got this small part, do you want to play it? How weird was it it talking to somebody that's playing you?
2: That was weird. You know, even watching (laughs) that back, you know, you're kind of thinking, so Zach's talking to Zach? You know, this is weird. I'm telling myself to piss off, dickhead. You know, it it was weird. Um, But to be honest with you, Stephen Merchant said from the get-go, and just quickly, Stephen Merchant is an absolute legend. That man came into our lives, and he see what no one else saw in me. Uh, And, you know, in 2017, when I watched that movie, I walked straight out, I cuddled Stephen, I said, thank you. And he said, you don't believe the gift you got, Zach. I'm just trying to show the world what you have. And he really, honestly, lads, bought me out of it. You know, I lost six stone in a year. I was dedicated to getting back on that top spot. So when I met Stephen, I said to him, oh, I've always wanted to be an actor. Well, have you done any movies? Or in his voice, here, yeah, you done any movies? <laughs> and I'm like, um, <laughs> I've done a couple. I've had some extra work. You know, here, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get you in this movie then, shall we, pal? Yeah, we'll get you in this movie. Yeah, do that. <laughs> so um, first of all, I was actually going to be the guy that was fighting in the pub. Right. So I was going to yeah. be one of the three guys with the the, the lines basically saying like, you know, who, who you call it? Who, who, who do you just shove? Or whatever it was in the thing. Anyway, when it comes to it, he was like, nah, we, well, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be the drug dealer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I got there and um, to be honest, I was treated like Rorty. I had my own trailer. You know, they, they paid me extra for doing the, the cameo. Um, you know, they were just so helpful and loving. All the team, from the camera guys to the, you know, assistants to the directors. Just everyone just could not have made me feel more welcome on set. Um, and and Stephen's like, oh, we can't just have him standing there. You know, we need to add something. And he go, Zach, what would you say? I don't know. Piss off, dickhead. Perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. That is. We'll say that. Say, piss off, dickhead, all right? I'll say,
1: piss off, dickhead.
2: <laughs> you know, so, so I did. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Well,
0: like John said, the film is amazing. And whenever a wrestling film comes out, I'm a bit worried because wrestling is so delicate. But the film is amazing. And I know for a fact, um, wrestling fans love it. And so do people who, you know, not, don't know too much about wrestling.
2: Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that, guys. Like I said, I I like all feedback, good and bad. Obviously, the good make you feel good. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, I'm one of the people that's hoping for a a second movie or uh, a second series in the BBC. I believe that, you know, Strike While the Iron's Hot, right? Uh, People Mm -hmm. are enjoying it. We are – we're getting wrestling on screen, you know, and for all the wrestling fans, that's good that we're getting casual people – look at wrestling and they might look at it in a different light and say hang on this is different you know uh this is something that we might actually take our kids or our grandchildren to go and watch now uh and, and i guess that is the whole game for the knight family is get as much exposure as you can so we can put more light on professional wrestling which we all love and all will continue to love until the day we die i think you could definitely get another series like the journey it portrays you know
0: the documentary and the bbc series documentary um it's just a great little journey and i think there's definitely more to explore yeah i uh, agree sorry
1: how did it come about who was picked in the step into the ring did you sort of put names forward or did they just film me and go this be good to feature them them and them
2: yeah so as i said rob butler was the guy that pitched it so he became become one of the producers and um rob you know me and him are really tight um And he said, look, I've got a couple of people that I want to put in this that I can see, um, you know, how far they've come, like Marcus and James and Sam. Um, So in the end, I just said to him, look, pick the guys. Here's a couple of names that I'm throwing in that I think will be a good addition, which Callum was one of them, the big tall guy. Uh, Callum's one of them. I really wanted to get his story out there. You know, uh, when Callum came to WWE 11 years ago, you know, he... Hadn't told anyone that he was gay. Uh, He was very insecure, very shy, you know, didn't really know who Callum was. Uh, And the transformation in that lad is phenomenal. You know, he's gay and proud now is what he says, you know, and uh, he's out there and he's told his family, he's told his loved ones and he embraces it. He's six foot four, 20 plus stone, you know, and he's just, he's happy in his skin now. And that's a story I wanted out there, and I'm glad that they added it to it. But yeah. everything else, I just went with the flow. You know, I just... Pocket, I had uh, trainer sessions with her anyway because she had lost herself. It was a bit like the Shawn Michaels storyline. Like, she'd lost her smile. She'd lost her identity. You know, mm-hmm. mental health had really dragged her down. That when she was in the ring, she was just Claire. She were not Violet anymore. Um, and my job was to, you know, get her to be Violet again you know because when she's violet mental health don't come into play she she could take on anyone she's that pocket rocket you know so th- that was she, my job she's she just such a lovable character isn't she yeah and she's had it rough guys you know they all yeah. have they all have You know, but everyone do you know let's let's not just say them guys everyone in life has got a story to tell um but the true inspiration is how do you come back from that story are you let it hold you down and dwell on it or are you going to move to the next chapter and make the next one better? And I think all those guys were inspirational because all of them decided, you know what? These are the cards that have been dealt. Let's fucking make the best of it. I'm so sorry. I swore again. Yeah, <laughs> We're not PG here. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, you're <laughs> all good.
0: <laughs> so let's just talk uh, briefly about um, wrestling now. You know, WWE. Um, you're a Royal Rumble winner. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs>
2: Um, what are your thoughts on the Royal Rumble coming up in the WWE? Uh, to be honest with you guys, there's three pay per views I watch every year Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, WrestleMania. They're the three that I will talk to my mates and go, Are we watching this? You know, (laughs) I love it. Uh, Royal Rumble is probably my favorite pay per view of the year, and the reason for that is I love the element of surprise, love it. You know, leave off the other four matches, just give me two Raw Rumbles, and stack the fuck out of them, you know, yes. and then I'm a happy man. Um, my thoughts on the upcoming card, I'm not going to lie to you guys, I've only now just bought Sky Sports again, or BT Sports. I've had it off for the last year, um, because I weren't, I weren't really watching TV, I was spending time with my family in a pandemic, so I just turned everything off to get yeah. through it. Um, but I've just put it back on, so I know that Drew McIntyre against Goldberg as of Monday, just gone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? <laughs> How do you feel about Goldberg? Um. Oh, that's a difficult one, but I'm a straight talker. Let's just get to the facts, shall we? Yes. Um, Goldberg. Goldberg done something in this business that no one else has done. You know, yes. uh, I loved the streak of Goldberg. I loved that he come in And Goldberg was Goldberg, you know? He was Bill outside the ring and Bill inside the ring. He was just a tank. Um, Anyone that's watched this thing on uh, the network, I've enjoyed that, you know? But I believe there comes a point, there really does come a point, where you can't drag a man out and put him straight back in the main event. And the reason I say that is I look at it from a worker's perspective, okay? Yes, he's star power, and yes... He's still good for them five-minute matches where, you know, he's hitting the jackhammer in a spear. And like I said, Goldberg will forever be a legend in professional wrestling. But why give that spot to someone that's had the spot? Why can't they elevate the next person? Give, I don't know, Big E a chance. Give yeah. Keith Lee another chance. They had a killer match on Raw that people enjoyed. Why not put them in the Raw Rumble match together? You know, I just believe that you've got to, you've got to use the product that's in front of you and, um, there's a lot of potential stars there that ain't getting their chance. You know? Um, so for me, fair enough that, that, that I believe they're using the name value and, you know, this is good for Drew, who's a buddy of mine. He gets to work Goldberg. as another tick off the list. But at the same time, that man's carried the company for the last year. Why yeah. not let him do Orton's job and elevate the next person?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, I totally agree I was a big WCW fan who so used to really like Goldberg. Pretty much what you said. I don't see why he's still main eventing and being in that spot. There's a magnitude of talent that can fill that spot and elevate
2: themselves even more. Well, that's it. I mean, I'm not being funny. If I signed Goldberg um, and say he went on the... He'd done a, about two months in the Thunderdome, knocking off all these guys, and then you've got someone on SmackDown that's doing the same thing and then it amalgamates to them two performing, that's different. Yeah. Because he's been there putting the work in like everyone else. And this probably sounds like a, a nasty thing to say, but, you know, I don't believe that you should be able to just come in and go to the top spot. I don't believe in that. You know, when you've got lads and ladies that are working every single week, every week, to try and get that position, and then someone, you know, with a lot of credibility and, and did help the business transform... I just don't believe that they should be given that top spot unless it's a good storyline. There's no storyline to this at the moment. He's come Mm. out. He's challenged uh, Drew. Uh, They've now got three weeks or so to get that over on TV. Um, And then they're going to be wrestling at the Royal Rumble. Um, Like I said, why not do Goldberg and say Big E and let Big E get over on Goldberg? And it's like, whoa, hang on a minute. He's just beat the guy. You know, and let Drew work someone that he can elevate and make them a main event player as well. I just believe in helping others, guys. You know, if you've got the star power, if you've got the ability to put people over, if you've got those abilities, you're already way ahead of everyone in in the industry. So why not use your attributes to help other people get to your level? If you're confident in your ability, rise them up. Sorry, <laughs> Um, is, is there any Peppery View, you
0: know, in history that stands out as your favourite?
2: Um, I mean, is it like a moment in wrestling where you just you just go back to it every time? To be, to be honest with you, there's lots of moments. You know, I love professional wrestling. And 9 out of 10, I go to sleep watching the network and reliving them moments. You know, I think for me, um, there's there's two matches that just really stand out that I mark out for. That is uh, WrestleMania 25, Taker and Sean. I believe any wrestling fan must have that match up there. You mm-hmm. know, both of them, really, but 25 was just unbelievable. Sean's my ultimate hero. You know, I believe that he is pound for pound the best wrestler to ever grace this industry. Um, when you were crying. At one point you were many Mini Michaels, is that because of Sean Michaels? I was Mini Michaels because of Shawn Michaels, you know? I was nine <laughs> years old with the long hair, the hearts on the tights. I wanted to be Shawn, but, you know, you can't be someone else. You, you've got to be the first you, and that's cliche Shakes us in the movie, but it's true. Um, and the other one, so my wrestlers are Shawn Michaels, Kurt Angle, Eddie Guerrero, The Rock, and Hulk Hogan. They're my five. You know, that's my Mount Rushmore, if I can add one more, Yeah. Um, so the next one for me was WrestleMania 18, The Rock and Hogan. And the reason I like that match so much is these lads done about six minutes without even touching. And every fan was happy. Not one of them was sitting there going, get on with it. Are you going to fight? Do a backflip. Oh, come on. They're all sitting there going, fuck. Whoa. <laughs> this is The Rock and Hulk Hogan. This is The Immortal versus The People's Champ. This is 80s versus 90s, 2000s. Like, mind blown. This match shouldn't have happened. Um, and when them two were just doing a stare down, they're not even locking up. They just stood there. One looks to the right, the other looks that way. And then they do it and they're crowded just up. And they tried to Bill Hogan as a villain. And as soon as he'd done the lock up and the push off and give it the big, oh, yeah, the crowd popped. And I was just like, <laughs> this, this is wrestling. And to this yeah. day, as in, you know, I'm 30 in May, to this day, my inner child marks out every time I think about that match.
1: I still get goosebumps watching that. Yeah,
2: yeah it, was, it was
0: huge, right, that match, the build-up and but, everything.
1: I mean, you hear um, Stone Cold being annoyed that he wasn't in that match. But I don't think it would have had the same effect. Rock was that, like, electrifying character. But it would a totally different match with Stone Cold. I don't know if it would have
2: been the same effect at all. No, and I agree with that. I don't think it would have been the same. The problem is, right, I I believe the peak for Stone Cold was him and Vince McMahon, because yeah. every person wanted to watch an employee kick the boss's ass. So, in my opinion, that match is as great as the Rock and Hogan, and had that same feel because you had, a, a, you know, a year feud, which finished with Austin beating the shit out of Vince, you know? (laughs) And every person wished they could have done that. But if you were to put Steve Austin with with Hulk Hogan, even back then at WrestleMania 18, which was 20-odd years ago, so he'd have been nearly 50, say, you'd be like, oh, hang on a minute, Stone Cold's going to beat the shit out of this dude. You know, he's going to kill my hero. Like, I don't want that. (laughs) You know, so sometimes you've got to think smart as well you know you've got to think what's best for business and i know us a trademark they use but it's really true especially when you run a company you've got to think what works and i believe that was a match made in heaven
1: i was going to ask that like obviously as fans you watch wrestling sometimes and you think why are they doing that i hate this from your perspective being in that sort of booking spot sometimes do you yeah. think oh they're doing the right thing
2: that's the way to do it? Or do you disagree sometimes as well? So me and my dad sometimes have different ideas of what we want. Uh, but our method is, you know, if you want to do it, go for it. But we're not one of them people, if for flop, we go, ah, I told you so. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. look, this is why I didn't think it would work. You know, um, but you've got to do what you think is right at the time. It's not always the best decision. But if that's all you've got, you've got to go with it. You know, sometimes you really are shuffling the deck and just hoping that that fucking ace will land on top. Um, you know, when you're running shows weekly, it's difficult to keep on top for the whole year, you know? Um, but they, they spike during that year, you know, there'll be maybe six times out of that year that people will go and the, the numbers on social media will be unbelievable because they've done something right. And that's what attracts the fans. Um, you know, so for me, it's, it's difficult. It's very difficult because you've got to, you've got to do what you've got to do. Um, but I, I've messed up many a times. You know, I thought that this idea would work and it hasn't. And there's times where I've just made up something there and then, and it's been so successful that you're thinking, what can I feel like all the time? Um, okay. But one thing I will say, and my dad educated me on this, is you can write storylines for the next year, but you know what's going to work when you walk in that building. Uh, we had a big story written for Cara Road, Fight Fightmare 3, but when we stood inside that ground and felt the, the atmosphere, we were just like, Oh no, that's not going to work. This is going to work. Or when the show started and the first match has gone out there and you know they're, they're putting a mixture of different styles in to see what the crowd's fighting for. So you'll always notice in the first match, they'll lock up, they'll start slow. Are the fans enjoying it? No, let's speed this up. Okay, they like a little bit of that, so let's try a high-risk move. Oh, they like that. Okay, let's try a bit of comedy. Oh, they're popping like mad for that. Easy (laughs) night, guys. Let's have some comedy. That's what our first match is. It's educating them on the rules, what they're doing, and finding out what they want. What do they want? And and, and this is going back to my point. I might have a storyline written uh, for that show, but if match one, they're all popping for brawling or strong style or flying, and my show is running down a different path. You've got to think on your feet. You ever change an outcome during a match? Yes. Many a times. Many a times. Um, so I remember I was meant to be... We'd done a big storyline for three... Well, actually, it was longer than that. Three years consistently, but on and off. It was about 10 years of me winning the WAW World title. Um I remember being in a match and I was against Doug Williams, and I was meant to be going over for the wild title after my fifth time of trying. Uh, we sold out at our venue with 900 people. You had Let's Go Zach t shirts. I had all my kids' class there. I mean, like, it was revved up. And if I'd have gone over, the place would have exploded. And I come out and the fans, the atmosphere, you could have cut the attention with a knife. And I remember just being in the ring thinking, I shouldn't be winning this. Let's not send these home happy. Let's make these come back again, you know? So literally Doug's done it. And I was like, finish me off. And he finished me. And then dad comes to the ring and he's like, good call. Good call. We'll do this again in a couple of months, you know, blah, blah, So we're in the ring. Then all of a sudden I just said to dad, give me the mic. And I cut a big emotional speech about, look, this is now my sixth time of trying. You know, I'm not like the rest of my family. My sister's a world champion. My dad has been a world champion. My brother, my mother, you know, my, my other sister, They've all been world champions. I'm the failure of the family. So therefore, I need to do what's right for me. And I officially retired from professional wrestling. There wasn't a dryer in the house. You know, we've got hundreds of people crying. No, 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 please don't go. We had a rumble as the main event after the world title fight. And for 45 minutes of the rumble, all you heard is, we want Zach. We want <laughs> Zach. I didn't go to the ring. All I'd done was done a, a big speech uh, a couple of weeks later on social media and went, maybe i've got one more fight in me huh. oh, sold out again nice
0: let's just um switch conversation over to twitch because otherwise i could talk about wrestling all night <laughs> um how do you feel about wwe kind of uh, banning superstars from using twitch because i know
2: you're quite active on twitch aren't you i am very active on twitch yeah i, I stream three times a week Um, and during a pandemic where I didn't get any furlough, I wasn't working, I needed to provide for my family, my wife is pregnant, I already have two children with a lot of overheads, like everyone else, I thought, damn, what am I going to do? And my Mm -hmm. sister was the one that went, get on Twitch. You've got fans all across the world that would subscribe to your channel just to talk to you, hang out with you, play games with you, watch matches with you, hear your opinions on pay-per-views, and she's right. It, it works, you know, that is providing for my family during this pandemic. And uh, I'm very grateful to everyone that now follow me. And for anyone that wants to as Zach Zodiac, that's as simple as that. Um, but let's get to your point. It's difficult because I can see both sides of the coins guys mm. as a promoter that's invested a ton of money into this person that's helped create this person that's made them a global star that's given them the platform to become that star. Uh, and in their contracts, they kind of own the name and the rights to your images, you understand where they're coming from. Yeah? Yeah. I don't believe it's totally about money. I believe it's probably the fact that they're overselling themselves on platforms. You know, if they're on Twitch and they're on YouTube and they're on this and they're on that, why are they going to tune into Raw on a Monday or SmackDown on a Friday? Yeah? Yeah. But at the same time, at the same time, my sister, I'm going to use her as an example. She's not Paige. She's Soraya. Paige had to retire. Paige is no more. Right? So for Paige, my sister, who isn't active, who can't perform in front of a crowd, she still need her fix. Wrestling is like a drug. You know, it's addictive. And you're always looking for that next pop. uh, That next bit of, you know, attention. Um, My sister don't get that, guys. You know, she's not being utilized to the best of her abilities. She's great as a promo artist. She could be a valet. She could be anything. Uh, And I believe that Twitch was a platform where my sister Saraya got to be page. Um, You know, it's not always about the money. Sometimes it's about that mental health and about, you know, being page. So I can understand both sides. My my thoughts on it, I'm going to maybe keep them to myself because I don't want to you know, get too controversial on here. Yeah. You know, just speaking from a promoter and then speaking as a brother, I can see both sides and both of them have got really good points and bad points to why they should or shouldn't do it.
1: Do you think think it's more that Vince doesn't understand what Twitch says and what you do on
2: it? I mean, but let's be honest, he's probably got 20 technical advisors in his ear telling him, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to get on Twitch. You need to make an on-demand service. You need to go onto YouTube. You need a TikTok. You need Instagram. He's got someone in his ear all the time telling him what to do, what's working, and what is the phase at that time. But you've also got to remember, you know, about a year ago, you may be able to correct me, they moved from Sky Sports to BT Sports. And I'm guessing that's pretty exclusive just to BT Sports. So they can be able to show their brand on any other platforms, other than the network, which is already in place, and BT Sports, so for me, I just believe, and this is just in my head as someone that has been in the business a long time, I believe it's all about image. It's all about look. If you, if they can go onto Twitch and see you for six pound a, a, a month, or you know, just to follow you, why are they going to pay to watch on a pay per view? Why are they going to pay to come watch yeah. you live? Why are they going to pay to see you on Raw, SmackDown? Because we have to pay for that. It's, It's Sky Sports, right? So as a business perspective, you have to look at it and go, hmm, okay, I understand where you're coming from. I'm your product. You made me, and therefore, you have to utilize me. But again, flip that coin over. When you're not active, I don't see the harm in having a Twitch platform.
0: Yeah. And, and let's go back to your twitch so what kind of stuff do you do on twitch You know, for people who may who may not know or may not have
2: it guys I do all sorts so let's just talk about the last couple of months um, through the month of December I done Oma Wannabe which was a tribute to Oma Celebrity uh, I ate all sorts uh, live cockroaches, fish eyes, pig's kidneys uh, fermented fish, egg, oh god it was vile uh, and was... I've done that every Sunday um on the 27th of december to the 29th i've done a 48 hour challenge where me and four of my friends were inside a just a living room area 14 by 10 foot we had to stay in there with just a pillow and a blanket for 48 hours water and crackers doing a challenge every four hours um it was brutal i'm not gonna lie to you that 48 hours felt like two weeks we come out of there broken i was, me and my friend scotty come out crying and that's legit i was just like <laughs> i'm so emotional what's going on I'm <laughs> slept. i haven't eaten i stink i'm not cleaning my teeth like i miss my kids i miss my wife and literally the lads are just like whoa <laughs> um, so yeah we do a lot of spontaneous stuff like that but also my, my schedule is a Wednesday, a Friday, and a Sunday, 8.30 p.m. GMT. Um, on a Wednesday, I like to show some of my matches and some shows from WAW using the on-demand service. Uh, a lot of people then go on to subscribe once they have seen a little bit of it. On a Friday, I try and do like a, a Friday guest, uh, which I've had Mr. Anderson, Mick Foley, my sister. Um, you know, and in the pipeline, Stephen Merchant said to me that, you know, some point early stage of this year, he's going to come on. Um, and then Sunday's really like my Sunday fun day so I'll Zoom my fans, we'll talk to them Uh, we talk a lot about mental health as well Um, so anyone that's struggling um, you know, I've got a Discord and I believe, and I've been there when you're trying to phone Wellbeing or phone these numbers you're waiting four to six weeks and after, you know, good friends of mine like Lionheart and, and people like that that didn't really get the help that they needed um, I just want to be someone that can be there on a click of a finger. So if my discord go off and someone says I'm not feeling good, the whole chat is there. The whole, we call it the Zodiacs. We're, that's what our family name is. They've all got it. They're the rampages for page. Uh, but anyway, all my, my Zodiac family are very good. You know, we've got a mental health section there. That If you're not feeling good and you go on there, You've then got over 150 people that are in that Discord that will come in there and send a funny picture or try and lighten the mood or even phone you up and say, "Listen, it's all good. You know, I know how you feel. You're not alone." Um, so my Sundays are really about spreading positivity and fun.
1: So. These days. Um, so- Just getting back to WAW, how has the pandemic affected business and how you run things? Well,
2: so 2020 was looking to be our best and biggest year yet. Um, You know, we were looking for a turnover of up to half a million, you know, and that's obviously the turnover. That's not profit, but that's revenue that we could expect in to come through the company. Um, You know, we had Fightmare 4 lined up. We had two wrestling weekenders working with uh, Pontons holiday camps. Um, you know, we had other big shows in the pipeline. Um, we had over 250 holiday camps that got canceled. Um, you know, we, we struggled big time. Um, but again, me and my dad sat down and we basically just said, look, how do we get through this? There's, there's always a way around something. You just got to sit and think about it. So, uh, I've got a kid's class and one of the kid's fathers is a health and safety officer. And he's, we found out that he's number one in East Anglia, uh, and he actually helps the council set, you know, health and safety for businesses, and he helps biz- big businesses, corporate businesses, around this region to get up and running. So I spoke to him, and I was like, "Okay, can you help me?" Um, sure. So I got him. I got a business manager. I got an accountant. I say me as me and my dad. You know, I just had the contacts to bring him in, and then me and my dad sort of made a game plan and move forward. So we got these people in um, and we spent about £10,000 um, on getting all the correct paperwork and policies in place. Um, so we had to be COVID secure. We had to make sure that we had all the fire regulations, posters everywhere, health and safety on site, complying with the health and safety rules, having a registered uh, nurse there um, to protect all the, the athletes, checking their temperature and you know, vital organs and sensors to make sure that they're all okay and, you know, there was no hidden agenda. It, it cost us a lot, you know, and then we had to move from our old premises to our new premises because we couldn't hire out any venues because they're all shut. So we had to move from our old venue to this venue where we could cater and run shows in our own PC, which cost thousands of pounds as well. Um, so we didn't make a single penny, but what we did do is you know 70 people every week were allowed to come into our gym and forget about what was happening in the world and again that is what we're about helping others um and although we didn't make money then everything's now in place for when we come out of this pandemic to be the biggest and best company in great britain the policies don't lie you know new insurances you know we we've really had to go for everything kosh you name it we've had to sit analyze go through courses pay for the paperwork and make sure we've got the correct paper trial in order to keep people safe during this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it's going to be a it's going to be a great year for for you and WAW this year. I think you definitely can build on what you have, and you definitely will become you know the top promotion in 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 the UK.
2: Thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, with, you
0: with your
1: kids' classes that you say that you do. What's the youngest that you teach? And also, what's the oldest that you've taught? Are you ever too old to wrestle?
2: Yeah, we'll get to that point in just a second. So my kids' class, we start from six, and that goes to 16. Uh, The reason we start at six is because at six years old, I'd started in the business as a manager, someone that would go to the ring with a good guy, interfere with a couple of spots, um, and then the villain would body slam me and leg drop me at the end of the match, right? So I was doing that from six. So I believe attention span, six years old, I can capture their imagination and teach them and educate them. Um, we don't teach them to bump around. Everything is rolling backwards, um, you know, rolls forward, etc. Uh, extra padding on the ropes and the, the pads and stuff. Um, we teach them the very basics. Once they get to like 13, 14, you know, a lot of them will do like parkour or, you know, gymnastics or whatever, to which then we can then take what they've learned in other aspects of life and incorporate it into wrestling. So I've had a 14-year-old doing 450s before uh, just because he knew how to look after himself. So um, Yes, yeah, so the kids' class, we, we do that uh, every Monday, and then the second weekend of the month we do Saturday and Sunday, and they have their own show on the Sunday afternoon to finish the weekend. Um, the most I've ever had for a kids' show is 502 people. And that was at Kid Mania. Um, The second point, you're never too old for wrestling. My greatest, one of my greatest achievements is I trained a man called Steve Marriott. He came into my gym at 62 years old. And he said to me, I want to be a wrestler. And uh, my dad said, come on, Zach, you trained a blind guy. Surely this could be a walk in the park. (laughs) Um, It wasn't. But after a year of training, I got him his debut match. He then wrestled 17 times. That was two years later before he decided, hang on a minute, the body can't take it. Um, and he moved to refereeing.
1: Talking about training. When, when you were trained, uh, when were you sort of given the insight of how it actually worked? Because I've seen a few wrestlers say that they didn't actually know until the first match. What? You
2: sort of given? So obviously, I travelled around with my dad and my mum um so as a youngster uh i didn't have a clue i remember my dad being power on the concrete floor by danny boy collins and an ambulance that he had hired come running through the door put him on a stretcher put a neck brace on i'd never seen my dad like that you know my dad is a very tough strong old school man and uh He never had to touch us as kids, just a raise of the eyebrow or a shout of that husky voice. We were running up the stairs. So to me, my dad was a real life superhero. No one could beat my dad. You know, that was an argument in school that I'd always win. My dad is bigger than yours and he will kick your dad's ass. Let's, let's not even try this. Right. So when I see him being power drive, I'm freaking out. I'm trying to beat the shit out of Danny boy Collins. I'm crying my eyes out. You know, I'm being pulled away. And uh, my mum then grabbed me and went, Hey, it's okay. Dad's fine. What do you mean, Dad's fine? Dad's fine. Dad's got the ambulance. Dad knew it was going to happen, and Dad'll be home for supper. And sure as I knew, when Mum took me home, Dad walked in, you know, an hour later after making sure the ring was down and uh, paid all the lads, walked in and went, What oh, that was a great success, me and Daddy. You know, a couple of months, once the old net deals and uh, you know, we'll sell it out, sweetheart. And uh, that's when I really got insight into, huh? Hang on a minute. You were laying on the floor unconscious of a neck brace, you know, two hours ago. Now you're rubbing your hands, telling mum that you're happy that this happened. So my dream was crushed relatively early. But I'm thankful for it because uh, there's been times where I've seen my mum and dad being beaten up for real at wrestling shows. And I'm like, ah, it's just part of the act. You know, I'm not freaking out about it. Um, Had I not been, you know, educated quickly... Shit, that would have been hard watching your mum and dad get beaten up every night of the week, guys.
1: Yeah. I think it gives you a different appreciation as well, from my point of view. Because I remember, I didn't know until I'd read, I think it was Mick Foley's uh, biography. And I, I didn't have any idea until he'd wrote it in his book, and I was just, like, mind blown. Like,
2: Yeah. Yeah, so Mick, Mick is uh, an amazing man. You know, I've had the, the pleasure of travelling with Mick, uh, working with Mick hire a Mick and be a Mick's boss. Uh, I've had the luxury of all of it and uh, what a man he is. But for me, I think the days are gone where you try and hide what this business is. We need to now embrace that it's a performing arts and entertainment, uh, a soap opera, uh, and you've got to enjoy it for what it is. Are we athletic? Yes, we are. Do we need to stay fit? 100%. A millimetre out and we've got broken bones. It's as simple as that. Everything we do, we are trained athletes, you know, and you really do need to toughen up your body Educate yourself on what you're doing, um, you know, and stick to your ability. Because, you know, if you're trying to do something that you see AJ Styles do, you're trying that a year, two, three years in, you're not going to do it. You know, so my, my biggest thing to people now is, you know, yes, it's choreographed. Yes, it's staged. Is it fake? No, it's not. And that's one thing that to this day and forever will grind my gears is when people say it's fake or it's ketchup for blood because I've I got the Mars bars to prove it in my hairline that uh, I do not put ketchup on, I put a bloody blade. Now shut up. <laughs>
1: um, I always say you wouldn't go and see a magician and shout out, that's not real magic. Uh, I think you just need to turn your mind off
2: and enjoy the wrestling. It's funny you say that, because my dad always says we are magicians, we're illusionists, you know? We want people to leave there going, how the bloody old did they... I- you know, run around that ring for 20 minutes, do the backflip, land on their head, manage to kick out, you know, I just don't get it. And and that's the mindset I think you should have. When anyone watches wrestling, I, I always say to people, just challenge your inner child. You know, where's your imagination gone? You know, why can't you just sit there and enjoy something for what it is? You know, leave the adult at the front door when you come in this hypocritical and down on the world and, you know, can't enjoy things anymore. Bring the kid in, let them enjoy it and uh, embrace it because what we do is amazing it's an art form you know and if you do leave let your mind just go blank and actually try and keep up with the storyline i guarantee you'll be off your seat calling the baddie a bastard
1: (laughs) you said uh you said that you worked with mick foley there uh what other superstars have you worked with and who was your favorite
2: I've worked with many guys. Uh, just to rattle some off: uh, Mick Foley, Jack Swagger, Million Dollar Man, um, Rey Mysterio. Um, there's loads. Earthquake, uh, Yokozuna, Fatu. Great to well, have a Valentine. Barbarian, Bushwhackers. Um, I, I, I believe you've had a lot of wrestlers just come to your house just as you was growing up. Yeah, I mean, we had American wrestlers phone my mum and dad like, hey, we're we're in the area, and, you know, we've heard that we've got to meet you. You're wrestling Rorty, and, you know, you have Jake the Snake Roberts walk in your house, sit down and go, hey, guys, I'll buy Chinese tonight. (laughs) You you buy the Chinese, buddy. Um, To be honest, one of my favorite, uh, and he really was one of my favorite, was Scott Hall. Uh, And the reason I say about Scott Hall, all of them, all of them were fantastic and very respectful to a young man who was paying their wage and telling them what to do, none of them gave me crap about it. You know, they all were 100% professional, but Scott sees something in me. He knew that there was something there, and, you know, he'd bring in X-Pac, and he he wanted to bring in Kevin Nash. He's even talking about Hogan at one stage. You know, this this man could see the product, and he embraced the family, loved the family, Um, you know, and he had the same vision as us. You know, he just loved professional wrestling and want us to help climb the ladder. Um, and for me personally, you know, he would take the time after a match to come up and go, Hey, no, Hey y'all. Hey y'all. Hey Zach, listen, man, you know, you got a good punch, but use one, not 10, man. Whoa. What what are you, what are you, man? Come on. You know, and his favorite one is, Hey, this isn't show friends a show biz. That was it. That's what he used to get out of Scott Hall. This isn't show friends a show biz. Um, but as I said, personally, he'd watch my matches. He'd give me feedback, you know, professionally. He'd see what I was doing and saying, hey, maybe if you go this way, you might do it quicker. Let's cut a corner here. I know what I'm talking about. I'll be to the top. And uh, Scott was very, uh, he was a big part of the success of WAW when we were rising and nearly got my ITV contract. Yeah. I mean,
0: Zach, you have so many stories. And I, I do believe that you are the future of British wrestling. Um I'm going to wrap this up because I, I mean, we could talk to you for, for hours, but um, we're going to wrap it up. But, um, you know, there's some exciting things coming your way this year. I 100% believe that. Um, hey. hey, you might even get a Netflix uh, series. They're handing them out to everyone. so you, you, know. you
2: never know, guys. Listen, what will be will be. Uh, right now, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, there's plenty more to talk about, so give me a couple of months. Maybe I can pop back on air. Uh, we can have another catch-up, see see how we get on. Uh, but, you know, from me to you guys, thanks for having me on. I wish you all the success. And uh, thank you to everyone that, that listens to this podcast. And uh, keep doing what you're doing, guys. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure. You're very welcome. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you.